there is a new philosophy of relationships. And I even had to create a word for it. That people in relationship need to be co-elevating. People in relationship need to be co-elevating, going higher together. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mind Valley podcast. Today's topic is networking. Now, if you've been following me for a while, you know how big a believer I am on the power of creating deep, rich human connections in your life. I have spoke about this widely. I have started festivals. I've started regular monthly dinner parties in cities like LA and New York, just because I so value people around me. Now, the funny thing about human connection is this. Mind Valley is a health and wellness company. We're a mindfulness company. We're about living your best life. But in study after study after study after study, it is not just learning a new exercise routine or meditating that creates this huge elevations in your quality of life and your happiness, but it's the people around you. Take this, for example, the Harvard Very Happy People study by Ed Diener. This study showed that there was only one thing that correlated with human happiness. It wasn't great clothing or warm weather. It was the strength of your human connections, and it was a 0.7 correlation. And then they were the Blue Zone studies. And in those studies, there was something really interesting that was published. They said that countries or cities rather like Sardinia, Okinawa, where people live to 100 at around 10 times the rate of regular Americans, they observed these things about how these cultures work. And one of the things they observed is low to moderate alcohol. And I thought this was kind of curious because, look, I love a glass of red wine every now and then, but how could alcohol, wine, be increasing or sake in Japan be increasing longevity? And so I texted, I literally got an introduction to one of the scientists behind the study. I texted him and he said, you know, the alcohol thing, it's just a correlation, really. It's the fact that when we're drinking wine, when we're drinking sake, what are we doing? We're socializing with other people. And so whether you're looking at increasing your lifespan, are you looking at increasing your happiness? It's about the people around you, which is why Mind Valley, we decided this week in our last strategy meeting that we're going to stand for community as much as we stand for education. We are literally now building a new app to create community, an app to help connect people with the right people in their network, with learning buddies, with allies, with people who can help you grow in whatever it is you're studying. Because again, if you think about universities, right? It's about the classroom, but it's also about the campus. Community matters. And as we step into this new evolution of our company, where community and being real and authentic and connecting with people becomes so critical, I wanted to bring you the number one mind in the world in the topic of networking. His name is Keith Ferrazzi, and he is this week's teacher, featured teacher on Mind Valley. Keith's new networking program, Mastering Authentic Networking, launches on Mind Valley this month. It is such a powerful program, and it's inspired by many of the ideas in Keith's best selling books, including the book Never Eat Alone, which has inspired so many people I know to literally change their lives, to put human connection first, including myself. And so if you're wondering how to close the gap between where you are right now and your dreams and to do it in a way where 
life just seems alive and radiant. You want to be following this man. So let's bring on and give a big welcome to Keith Ferrazzi. Keith, how are you? I'm great. What an intimidating and glorious introduction. Thank you very much, Vision. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, I got to say, Keith, your book, Never Eat Alone, Game Changer. And I also want to thank you, Keith, for the impact your ideas had in my life. I mean, I've shared these stories with you, how I started AFES, my festival, so I could have people come and travel with me. I started Mind Valley University. So when I move to a new city, I have a network around me. I do my dinner parties in LA, which you've attended three or four of them, again, because of networking. And I learned the importance of this from you. And one of the most interesting things about you is that, and I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into this, you actually have three people maintaining your network, which I believe is around 10,000 names at this point. It's actually a lot more than that. But that said, first of all, I, I want to thank you. I'm, I've really fallen in love with the Mind Valley community and the people that I've met there have become important parts of my life. So Vision, I appreciate the mission and the work that you do and the people that you cultivate. I've actually been really blessed. I live my life and my passion in helping people understand how relationships and collaboration can transform not just you, but transform the world. And to that end, folks like yourself have commented on that. There's a lot of organizations that I've coached and supported in how to transform their mission, leveraging effectively the relationships and the collaborative effort of those relationships to achieve unbounded joy and success. I mean, you were talking a lot about the Mind Valley mission of joy, success, happiness, etc. But I have to say that this also turns around businesses. I mean, this is a tough time right now, Vish, and there are so many people in the world that are underemployed or unemployed. And I can promise you that if you are not achieving what you wanted to achieve in this struggling and difficult time, there is a very clear, perhaps only one clear pathway from where you are today and where you dream of being. And the answer is not where am I going or what do I need to do? But the answer is who? Who is on that pathway to achieving everything that you want to achieve? Vishen, you know me. I was a poor kid in Pittsburgh and I didn't have nepotism, meaning I didn't have folks that could open doors for me. Right? They couldn't get me the good jobs. For me, I had to create my own nepotism. Nepotism is nothing more than people in your life that care for you deeply and are there to support you and open doors and create opportunity. But you can create that for yourself. You can have all of the access that you are looking at other people and saying, boy, I wish I had that, but you can't. And through that, you can achieve your mission. And you've certainly gone really far. I mean, the audience at this point know your bio because you've been all over Mind Valley this week. But one of the most fascinating things about you is that you became the youngest CMO in the Fortune 500. Am I correct? I did. It was a really ridiculously stupid age. It was in my 20s. So the simple answer is this again. There was a gentleman who was the CEO of the company. And mm -hmm. I happened to meet him briefly at a cocktail event. And I asked him a simple question. I said, Pat, what do you want your legacy to be as you exit being CEO of this company? As you look back in your later years, what did you want to have left here? And he said, someday I want Deloitte to be at par with McKinsey and Accenture. It was called Anderson Consulting at the time. And I recognized that what he was asking for was a roadmap 
for how to build the brand and put the prominence and the eminence. We were at the lowest of the eight firms at the time. I basically just took that. I said, that's amazing, sir. Thank you. And I went back to a professor of mine at Harvard and I asked if I could do a course on marketing, but focus only on professional services. I identified who the chief marketing officer of McKinsey was, a guy named Bill Mattisoni. I identified who the chief marketing officer of Accenture was, a guy named Jim Murphy. I called both of them and I said, gentlemen, I'm just a kid. I've been in consulting. I was working at Deloitte this summer. I want to do a study on the world-class best practices of marketing in professional services. And I'll give you the study. I'm interviewing all of your peers. I just want to know what's out there. And they thought it was so cute and clever, right? And they didn't even have any intimidation of the fact that I worked at Deloitte. And I was a child. It didn't matter. So I did this study and I presented it to Pat Lacanto, right? He didn't even remember meeting me. I said, sir, do you remember? I had asked you a question about what you want your legacy to be. And with that, he looked at this thing and he basically gasped. And he invited me down to New York to spend dinner with him. And at that point, he said to me, we need you in this firm. I'd only been a summer intern. He said, we need you in this firm. We want you to come into this firm. Wow. And, and I said, sir, I'll do it under one condition. For the remainder of time that I'm here, I want two dinners with just you and me. You don't get that with a CEO, right? I, because I knew what was important was the relationship, mm. right? It wasn't about whether or not Deloitte was prestigious or not at the time. It wasn't about whether or not my salary, although I did ask for more money and he said no, but it wasn't about the salary. It was really about the connection to power. And with that connection to power, I was able to serve and be generous, which is what I started off being extraordinarily generous, right? I was extraordinarily generous to him. Nobody else had done that. None of his partners had done that. I became the youngest elected partner in the firm, in the history of the firm, and I was the chief marketing officer of this worldwide global organization before I was 30. This is such an amazing story. And firstly, like kudos to you, Keith, as a 20-year-old, that takes a lot of chutzpah. But what a beautiful idea and a beautiful concept. It doesn't take chutzpah. I'll tell you what it is. So I'm just getting even emotional. My old man was a very poor immigrant steel worker from Pittsburgh. We were Italian. And he busted his ass back in the 70s to make sure that his son had a good education, to make sure that his son had potential. He used to show me his hands and say, Keith, I don't want you to have to work this hard. You can, he could never get them clean even when he scrubbed them with gasoline. And, and I just had to fulfill that wish. And I had that in me that I did not want all of his work. And my mother had to be a cleaning lady. She hated doing that just to you know, make a little extra money to afford the school uniform, which we couldn't afford. I mean, I had something that I needed to achieve, not just for myself. The point is this, even when I was in fifth grade, Nobody I knew had gone to college. And I asked my best friend from school, whose dad was a lawyer, his name was George. I asked George if, if I could meet his dad, right? Because I didn't even know what it was like to meet somebody who, who went to work outside of the steel factory or digging ditches, which my dad did both. And I sat, I remember, I literally, it's so vivid. I remember sitting in Mr. Love's library. His name was George Love, Mr. Love's library and, and asking him, what does it take? And I don't remember the advice per se, but I remember that he took me under his wing at that point in time. And he even came down and had dinner at our family's home, which is this poor little house out in the woods. So, you know, you could say that it takes chutzpah. I guess it does, but it takes a mission. 
you know, at that early stage, I didn't know what my mission was. My mission was just to help people not be as struggling as we were. We were unemployed a lot and the industry around us was crumbling. And I just had made a commitment that I would grow up someday and make a difference in people's, in people's lives who worked. That was what I wanted to do. I didn't know what that meant. What you've been able to pull off is amazing. And I'm looking at the books behind you. And there's Leading Without Authority. There's Never Eat Alone. And then there is Who's Got Your Back. All your books are about one's relationship with other people. What caused that spark in you? What made you decide to explore that area so deeply? And you are currently the modern Dale Carnegie. And what I mean by that is that one of the best-selling books of all time, 50 years ago, was How to Win Friends and Influence People. I remember reading that book eight times before my 18th birthday. Me too. My father opened that book up to me as well. And it was a huge influence. You're the modern master in that genre, but how did you get into that? How did you step into that field? Well, like I said, it was really just a very simple idea, which is it worked. It Mm -hmm. worked. It got me out of poverty. It got me to be the number one speaker in the United States when I was in high school in forensics. It got me access and got me into Yale University. And when I was at Yale, it it networked me with Bart Giamatti, the president of Yale University, who took me under his wing and introduced me to the corridors of power that I couldn't even possibly imagine. It got me in societies and clubs at Yale that I would not have ever been able to access. I'm so curious on that one. Can we hear some of those stories? How you got into societies and clubs in Yale, how you connected with Giamatti? You know, look, Yale University, people have seen the movies about secret societies at Yale University, right? right? Well, secret societies have about 12 members and each member taps another individual to rise up from the junior to the senior year into that secret society. But that's about a person taking you under their wing and deciding that you're the right person for fill in the name of the secret society. But what was most interesting is once I got into the secret society, what I realized was it was just about vulnerability. It was so amazing. There's all these crazy stories about what these things are like. None of them are true. What it is, is it's a bunch of kids in our senior year, vulnerably sharing so deeply stories and truths about ourselves that we've never shared with anybody else. And the intention is to be fully open so that you can deeply bond with a set of humans in a fully transparent fashion. And it's not nefarious at all. It's about Mind Valley on steroids over an evening. You go so deep. There are so many tears. There's so much revealing and vulnerability. But what it's teaching you is how powerful it is to fully trust and how possible it is to fully trust. And it was what I learned there Actually, in that room, there's a couple of rooms at Yale that were most powerful to me. One was what I learned in the secret societies about vulnerability and authenticity and trust and full openness. And the second thing was a class that I took at Yale School of Organization and Management, which is Yale's business school. And it was focused on the idea of what was called a T group at the time. They put myself and another white man in a room together, along with eight other individuals, all people of color, gay and lesbian, individuals that were of various races, creeds, sex, sexuality, etc. But there's only eight of us. And what we would do is we would read something every week that was a bit provocative or incendiary. And we would come in 
and we would say exactly what we were thinking in the room together. And we would learn what it's like to be in relationship and in conversation with people that were other and not like us wow. and, and how we triggered. And of course, the conversation was crazily rich and very vulnerable and angry and all of those things. And I learned what it was like to navigate those dialogues. So you take those two experiences, right? And you spin way ahead. And what do I do today? What I do today is I coach the most powerful executive teams in the world to transform their companies. So my job is to save jobs. My job is to grow companies. I work with the most powerful, well-respected brands and companies in the world, helping them be able to secure their success, right? So they can employ more people and serve their customers. And everything I learned was all from those early days. And what's most important is it's all about people, damn it. It's all about people. There are companies today who are at the middle of the pack and heading down because there are two individuals inside of the organization that have resentment toward each other. Wow. Literally. I mean, I literally have seen the head of sales and the head of marketing have resentment toward each other, or the head of sales and the head of solutions or product have resentment toward each other that is born from their own bullshit. And my job is to turn that relationship around. And what I teach you in our quest, as you know, is whether the relationship is a currently a negative relationship, whether it's somebody you don't know, but only dream and aspire to know, or whether it's somebody you've not had the courage or didn't have the recognition that you need to move that individual from an acquaintance to a true lifeline partner. What I teach people is that there is a new philosophy of relationships. And I even had to create a word for it, that people in relationship need to be co-elevating. People in relationship need to be co-elevating, going higher together. And what I teach individuals, whether it's the most powerful individuals in the world or, or one of your listeners here, I want to teach you to be able to embrace the people around you or the people you couldn't even imagine or dream of having around you and create the kind of a set of relationships that allow you to fulfill your and their mission in parallel, your and their mission in parallel to co-elevate. And I get goosebumps when I talk about it because I have seen it as the special sauce. And by the way, you know, I have helped presidential, you know this, I've helped presidential candidates. I don't want to be partisan, but there's two candidates that I respected. Great. One of them won and one of them did not. And I helped both of those individuals understand how to organize their relationships and network to achieve the kind of success that they needed. And one made the presidency. Amazing. Amazing. That's quite a remarkable story. And, you know, just for the public who's listening, I've brought Keith in to advise me as a leader, as a CEO of a company. We have around 300 people right now. And so, like, honestly, managing those relationships can get really, really, really complex. And the idea of co-elevation is such a powerful idea. Recently, Keith got in a Zoom call with my entire executive team and coached us for two hours through a methodology to deeply connect with each other. And it's amazing how much more efficient you can perform when you build that bridge between people. But in addition to companies, and, and again, if you happen to be a CEO and if you're listening to this podcast, go check out Keith's consultancy at farazigreenlight.com. Keith, would that be the best website? Or even just start at keithfarazi.com. Double R and a double Z. Keith and, I, and I have to say, Vishen, let me just thank you. I knew that 
my serving the upper echelon of society and the world and business was absolutely the fullest of my desire when I was a child. I wanted to save jobs. I wanted to create jobs. And we serve the World Bank. We help the World Bank negotiate relationships with the most powerful countries in the world so that the World Bank can eradicate poverty, right? I mean, I kind of want to just swear I'm so excited about it. It's like, it's amazing. But what I really wanted to also do is other than my books, I wanted to be able to provide a vehicle to be present and to be the coach of a lot more people. And you opened that door to me, Vision, and you've opened the opportunity for me to think about how I can serve individuals, right? And it's through our quests together and some of the more senior things that I'm creating at KeithRazi.com, I'm trying to create mechanisms so that I can serve the individual and be your coach. And thank you, Vision, if it wasn't for you. And, and but let me just say this, you and I become co-elevated. You know, I know you've got a lot of people in your life, but I truly love you, Vision. You're an right. extraordinary you. man. I love your mission and I love your tribe and you've given me so much. And so as a result, I have really worked hard to give you so much. I remember the first dinner, by the way, that you and I met, it was in New York City. And I remember you were quite occupied. You had your family there. The kids were there, et cetera. Right. And there was a young man sitting there who was responsible for your university. And it's very important for people to know this. When you're in proximation with people of power that have brands that are busy and perhaps even outside of your reach, the individual themselves may not be the right individual to build the relationship with. Right. There's a, a part of our quest where I talk about how you connect to connectors and manage the gatekeeper. So as I was sitting there and Vision's juggling his children and he and his I believe, wife at the time were having a, a dialogue about different things and there was a whole table of people that he was curating, I knew that trying to get Vision's attention, first of all, trying to get Vision's attention in general is difficult, <laughs> but... I knew trying to get Vision's attention was not going to be the place that I could be of most service. He wasn't mm -hmm. going to land that, right? So I looked around the table and I realized there was a young man there whose job it was to bring content and create community for Mind Valley. And so I sat right next to him. I almost ignored Vision, not out of rudeness, et cetera, but it was not relevant. What was relevant is that by coaching this young man and helping him think about how he could reconsider deepening the community at Mind Valley. I focused on that young man because I knew that I could serve the Mind Valley. And by serving Mind Valley, my brand would elevate in the world of Mind Valley. By serving that man and offering everything for free, offering everything just generously, and following up and giving him more advice, by through that act, I got on Vision's radar. So I want people to recognize, and Vision probably, I've never even told you that story. But it's not even about trying to scrape and grab for time from somebody that you don't think has time for you. It's about being thoughtful. It's about being thoughtful of how do I help lift this man? And I knew at that night, I was not gonna be given the permission to lift this man directly. My job to lift Mind Valley was going to be through the individual whose job it was to build community. Amazing, and I remember what happened next. Keith ended up speaking at A-Fest. We were so blown away by not just his talk, but by, the essence of your being that I knew I wanted to make you one of our Mind Valley authors. But there's one more thing, Keith, that I remember from that dinner. And those of you listening, I want you to pay attention to this. Keith's program on Mind Valley is not called Mastering Networking. 
It's called Mastering Authentic Networking. Now, I remember in that dinner, there were different groups there. There was the Mind Valley group. There were groups from that co-working space, the assemblage. There were technology leaders there, like mutual friends. But you made everybody share something vulnerable and authentic. And you asked me, you asked me an open question, and it actually kind of shocked me because we barely knew each other. And you asked me to talk about what's really bothering me. I can't remember the exact words. What are you struggling with? Right. And I lied because what I was really struggling with, I wasn't ready to share, right, with people I just met. So I lied, and you called me out in that lie. (laughs) And you didn't say it in a bad way. You called me out in it weeks later as we got to know each other, right? But explain to us what was going there. Why do you deliberately get people to become raw, authentic, and vulnerable with each other? And what can we learn from that? Look, there's one thing that ties us all together, and that is that we're all human. And humanity struggles. And humanity has passion. In the olden days, if you were in sales, you'd walk into somebody's office and you'd look around and you'd say, oh, you play golf, I play golf. Let's play golf together. We try to find something, some form of shared connection or passion. But what I can say is that if you just share your passion or you share your your vulnerability, that in and of itself is your connection. That's the ultimate human connection. And what happens is this, 70,000 years ago, when we were born as a species, we were born into tribes that co-elevated. That's at the core of our DNA as a species. We were born into tribes that served each other. We had to. If we didn't, we would be alienated and we would be eaten by something, right? So we needed that. And we still do as a human species. We need that bonding and connection. And unfortunately, the research has started to show that we have become further and further away from that connected tribe. We don't have those tribes anymore, which is why people are magnetized and drawn toward Mind Valley because it truly is offering that kind of a, a loving, open, connected tribe of individuals. It's why I love my connection with Mind Valley. So if you as an individual can be that light that connects people through real humanity, then you have power. You have power in your grace. You have power in your authenticity. You have power in how you hold yourself. Now, listen, one of the things that I've talked to you about is I'm an introvert. And I have only found that out because I've had three months of social distancing in the United States before this comes out. And I've loved it. I've loved it. Now, I have continued to foster my dinners, my network, et cetera, in a medium that is new. I haven't done it my traditional way. I'm doing it in a new way. and. For your sake, though, what I want you to recognize is that as an introvert, my challenges to you are challenges that allow you to be yourself, to be authentic, and to be open to relationships, which we long for. And I will give you all of the tactics. By the way, most of the CEOs that I serve are introverts. Most of the CEOs of major corporations are introverts, and they would rather hide behind their desks and their papers and their brands. I'm smiling because that's so me right now. I'm so enjoying working from home. I'm dreading going to the office. I enjoy working from home with the kids around. But thank you for sharing that. Keith, I want to play a quick game with you. We have a few minutes left. I want to ask you three questions, three really pressing questions. And I want to just get your advice, whatever comes true. But you have three minutes to answer each question. Okay. Okay. 
And for those of you listening, I believe many of these questions are going to apply to you too. Now, the first question is a very personal one. I'm about to go through a major shift in my life. This is actually my last week in Malaysia. I've lived in this country for 15 years. Prior to that, I was in the US for 10 years. I'm about to move permanently to Europe. And the reason for that move is my children, really. In Malaysia, the schools are all shut down till January. My kid's mother is European. They got into a European school. And obviously, as a dad, I mean, you're a father. You know how it is. I'm moving to Estonia. I'm excited about it. I'm going to find an apartment there. But it's very sudden. And I'm going to end up being a CEO with 200 employees in a beautiful office in Malaysia. But I'm in a different time zone. And I'm trying to figure out how to adjust I mean, I, I figured out how to use tools like Zoom and Airtable and all to manage, but I'm trying to figure out how do I stay connected as a human being with the people I lead if I'm going to be hardly in the country. Yeah. So at the core of what we teach in the Quest is a process that we call a relationship action plan. If you have a financial plan because you want to make sure your finances are solid or you're making sure your business is solid, you need to have a relationship plan. So Vision, what I would suggest to you is a couple of things. The first thing I would do is I would create a, of the 200 individuals, you need to make sure that you're curating time to dip in with those individuals. And I would identify your, let's put your executive team off to the side. Because you know I've coached your executive team. Right. And there is a strategy about how you manage your executive team, you know, that I have taught your team. And using personal professional check-in, using sweet and sour, all of the, the tools that I've given you around leadership in that. So let's put that team aside. But then you take the next 15 individuals, the next 15 individuals. I would like you to meet with each of those individuals for 15 minutes in whatever rotation feels appropriate to you. Every other week, every third week, et cetera. But I want the agenda to be really simple. 15 minutes, five minutes. I want you to dip in and I just want them to come to you and check in with what's going on personally and professionally in their lives. And I want you to ask them to share the things they're struggling with or perhaps their greatest joys. But I want you to be open to be the kind of human that creates an environment that asks for the struggles, right? The next five minutes, I want them to give you a pitch of what they see that could be possible for growth, that could be possible for risk something that they see that you might not see. And there's no obligation on your part to act on it. I just want them to give you that information. And then the last five minutes, you can ask questions about that. And that deep dive of 15 minutes, very powerful. It's like a superfood nugget of connection, but information and growth, it's all wrapped up into one little 15-minute package. So the first question, the first five minutes is what? Them being vulnerable and open to you, what's going on in their personal so life. What they are struggling with, really. Tell them in advance that come prepared for this. This isn't something right. they need so to be cut. Yeah. What are the ideas? What are their thoughts, their vision for the And then future? you pepper them with questions. Amazing. I love that. What I would do is I would do that to like the first 15 to 20 outside. And mm-hmm. then I would do it separately with about the same amount of time. But the next tier doesn't get one-on-ones. The next tier gets twos. You have two people show up, Right. And the intention there is to do a quick sweet and sour check-in, but also to do a little bit more sharing about what their perspectives are. And then the next group might be a larger group that you're doing. As you go out in terms of priority, and by the way, I'm not talking about hierarchy. I'm talking about 
you could have a one-on-one check-in with somebody that, that you just got who's an entry-level employee because you've decided you really want to do that. And you can migrate that, right? That's an amazing tool. You think once a month is enough? Per individual, sure. Per individual, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that could work. I'm going to figure out how to scale that. I really like yeah. that. By so- the way, this simple serendipity, I have executive teams of the largest companies in the world doing that with the top 1,000 employees. They have found more growth ideas. They have identified more risks and they have become deeper connected. And it's, here's the power. In the olden days, Vision, you would be most connected to the people that you serendipitously bumped into in the hallways. But with this, you have equalization around the globe with all of your people. I love that. But as you go lower, lower in the hierarchy, let's say you get to level four, it's still 15 minutes, but it may be four people at once. Yeah, exactly. It's more of a group dialogue. I'm just, look, I know how busy Got it. No, I like that. I like that. That's amazing. Okay, second question. And by the way, that was one of the most powerful insights I've heard probably this entire month. Jim, let me just convert this to what we teach in the quest, though. The importance of this is that all of us need a relationship action plan. So we need to be purposefully about our relationships. In a remote basis, the world is open to you, right? And then with the practices I gave you is a practice I call pinging. You know, in a radar, it's like, bing, bing, we're seeing what's out there. You need to create a regular cadence of being in touch with the most important people. Otherwise, those relationships grow stale. You need to stay connected to these individuals. It's what I did with, you know, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. I would say you'd meet somebody at a fundraiser, but if you've identified that individual as important to you for your future, what I want you to do is I want you to put them on the list and identify the frequency with which you have a small tapping conversation with them. And then that keeps the relationship strong for perpetuity. Right. I love that. So that's a powerful idea. Now, the second question would be the opposite of that. Let's say you are in a company and you want to connect with your higher up. You want to connect with the CEO. You want to share an idea with someone who may be, I mean, you could be in a company of a thousand or 2000 people. What do you do? How do you apply Keats ideas co-elevation, the other concepts you teach, the relationship action plan in a scenario like that? Look, everybody likes ambition and growth. So you do a little research. Remember for me with Pat LeCanto, the Mm -hmm. CEO of Deloitte, I heard his vision. So if somebody in my company were to hear my vision, which is I want to bring these ideas to transform the world. I transform teams that transform the world. That's what I do today. And I want to bring that to everybody. I want you And your team, which is, by the way, your team is waiting to be your team. They're not even there yet. You may be a solopreneur. You may be an individual, but I want you to have a team. Vision is on my team. I don't pay Vision, but he's on my team. Peter Diamandis, the guy who wrote Abundance, is on my team. So my team members are the most important people that matter to my dreams and success. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to recognize is that no matter where you are, You've got individuals and your job is to serve them. By serving individuals, you earn the permission to co-create great things, right? So that little dinner that I had where I served Mind Valley turned into me being an author at Mind Valley right. and a friend of Visions, right? Yeah. So I want all of you to recognize that the people that you would like to build relationships with, your boss, your boss's boss, your CEO, listen to what matters to them. Reach out to them and offer to be of service. Now, be as specific as you can so that they can have a sense of reaction. If you just reach out to somebody and say, how can I be of service? They wouldn't know how to answer that question. You know, if you reached out to me and said, Keith, you know, uh, I've noticed your social media following. 
isn't as powerful as the connections that you have in the world. And I'd love to do an audit and help you. I'd be like, I'm all in, right? Now, all of a sudden, of the thousands of people that want to get my time, right, you'd be at the front of the row. So how do you identify what somebody needs in this world? You know, if you wanted to learn about my foundation for foster children and you wanted to be able to be of service to that foundation, you'd be at the front of the line. So you work on identifying that and then you offer your service and you will find yourself similar to I had with an extraordinary growth path to achieving your mission. And that reminds me of two other really important lessons I learned from you, right? The first lesson I learned from Keith is don't keep score. It's not about, I'm going to do a favor for someone, but I'm going to make sure that they return that favor. You just don't keep score. That lesson was so powerful for me. I trained my entire team because I noticed my team when they were sometimes working with authors, they would say, okay, well, this author needs us to mail for that particular event. We will, but let's see if they will mail back. And I'm like, forget it. We're not going to keep score. And so now if one of our Mind Valley authors says, Vision, I have a new book coming out, instantly we mobilized the team to mail for the book. Jim Quick's new book recently came out and he's Vision. If I just get a little bit more of a push, this book could hit the New York Times. And we had 24 hours. We changed our entire communications calendar. We shelved other promotions and we put $30,000 in marketing budget behind Jim's book. And I'm proud to say it got in the New York Times. We didn't keep score. And now I do that for any author, including you, who steps into Mind Valley's ecosystem. But, you know, I thought that was just being a nice guy. I didn't realize it's actually a powerful principle that can change your life. And so thank you for that lesson. What I like about how Keith teaches, by the way, is he gives you new ways of looking at the world. And these methods have really cool names. Never keep score, co-elevation, relationship action plan. And I love that because it's like you have a toolbox now of managing the diverse network of relationships around you. Listen, one of the things that frustrates me is when anybody talks concepts without practices. Right. You do not think your way into a new way of acting. You act your way into a new way of thinking. I want to change your mindset, but I don't change your mindset by preaching at you. I change your mindset by giving you a little thing to do and it works and you're going to want to do more of it. And then you're going to wake up a month from now believing it. So in all that I do, it's about the practices and I give you tons of them. Okay. Now the final question, because there were three questions. And before we get to the final question, which is probably going to be the most important one, I want to tell you guys to go to mindvalley.com forward slash networking mindvalley.com forward slash networking to learn about Keith's new program. You can sign up directly for the program or you can enroll in a 90-minute free masterclass, completely free, where Keith and I are going to go deep into many of his concepts, way deeper than what we're doing here in this podcast, completely free, mindvalley.com forward slash networking. Keith, the final question is this. You maintain a massive network. What tools, what web applications, what apps are you using to run this? The reality is it doesn't matter, but you do need a CRM system, a customer relationship management system. You can use salesforce.com, which is a, a bigger one. There are tons of these out there. You can use an Excel spreadsheet. It really doesn't matter, but it is important that you become systematized and processed. So you need to recognize, and we teach what's called FTD AOR, Focus, Target, Define, Align, Outreach, Renew. And in every step of the process that we teach you, focus, how do you align your dreams to individuals? How do you align your goals to individuals? That's focus. Targeting is actually getting those specific individuals written down and actually beginning to put metrics around these. We, we measure, is somebody a zero 
that's an aspirational contact that you don't know, all the way to a five, like Vishen and I are under the tent, deeply being of service to each other as real partners, right? So you write those down and then you can have a metric by which you recognize how your relationships are scaling and how they're growing and how they're strengthening. So you just need a system. Like I said, I'm perfectly comfortable whether you just use Outlook, Focus, Target, define what you can do for them, align with people who are critical to your network. So Vision and I are now connectors helping connect each other. How is Focus and Target different? Focus is So focus is the goal, knowing the goal, goal, okay. Targeting the individuals against the goal and then making sure that you're systematizing and putting metrics around those individuals, yeah. So to use your earlier example, focus might be, I want to grow my social media. Right. And then target might be, who are people out there who know how to grow social media? Or already have a great social media that we can draft off of, et cetera. Focus, target, and what is the third item? Define what you can do for them. Define how you can serve them first. Right. I love that. And I think that's a really key outcome. This isn't, to use your word, Swami. It's not manipulation. And you've got to have your heart aligned. And one thing I love about the Mind Valley community is you do. You know, if you're worried about, will this feel insincere? I don't know. Are you insincere? Right? Yeah. The answer is, if you're not insincere and you're passionate, I am passionate about my mission. I want to transform the world through co-elevation. There is no more deeper passion. I am working with the World Bank. I'm working with governments. I'm working with individuals like Vision who have reach. I am out there in the world trying to bring co-elevation to the world that is more fractured and more schismatic than it ever has been. And my deep passion and mission is to close that gap. And I will, and I am doing it today. And I am achieving things that I could have never imagined as that poor kid in Pittsburgh. And that's what I want for you. I know you have a mission. I know you have a mission and I want you to achieve it. And even if you don't know what your mission is, I want you to co-create with others to achieve your mission. You can refine it with other people. You can refine it and then achieve it. Beautiful. Thank you, Keith. And thank you everyone for listening. I'm so excited to apply some of these techniques, especially that 15 minute technique. I think that can be a game changer and you just helped me solve one of my biggest worries about my big move that's happening. So thank you for that. And When you go into this program, folks, it is going to blow your mind. I learned that it's really the number one thing that helped me become who I am, that helped me become a best-selling author was the connections I had. And most people approach that with no intention, blindly, just as if luck is going to fix things for it. When you go into that with deliberate intent, with the right tools, habits, practices, techniques, and mindset, your entire life changes. So go to mindvalley.com forward slash networking, to read about the program, to sign up for a free masterclass, and go to farazigreenlight.com to check out Keith and see, I can swear by this, he's an amazing mind to bring into your business and into your company if you're looking to get your team to the next level. Thank you, Keith. Vision, thanks. It's going to be a great ride. Great partnership. Absolutely. Thanks. I'll see you guys on the next podcast next week. Thank you for tuning in. And the website again is mindvalley.com forward slash networking. If you enjoyed this podcast, go and leave us a review and be sure to mention Keith Ferrazzi in that review. I know Keith, like any one of our other authors, would so appreciate those reviews. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Keith. i
Nisham Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.